in the middle of this great grief that we're all experiencing, where do we go? We go into our script, the old learnt patterns of how to cope and how to deal with this. In India, a lot of Indians, because of the COVID-19, are actually going back to the older Indian script where we believed in collectivism. And what COVID has done, it's really emphasized the value of collectivism. It's brought us together again. What I look forward to is when we shift to thinking less about the ego self and that we begin to not consider ourselves as being apart from nature, but being a part of it. What I'm quite interested in doing is asking people, what beliefs do you hold about your relationship to the place? What I see in organizations that creativity, I see a lot of rapid movement and dealing creatively with what is going on right now. And I sometimes wonder if that is probably blocking transition. So we try to work around what's going on and maybe that transition is put under the rug or we do that later. I don't think I'm seeing it in terms of solutions, but in terms of embracing all that's happening at the moment, knowing that we're learning, but what actually comes out of it, we'll have to wait because we're actually living with uncertainty. We have no idea how this is going to work out. This is Three People in Your Head. A podcast about getting the best out of yourself and others. Co-hosted by John Fleming and myself, Matt Taylor. In this special edition episode, we have changed things up a bit. Instead of having three of us in your head, there's going to be seven of us. We have facilitated a very timely panel discussion on what TA might have to say about the COVID-19 pandemic. The panel is made up of teaching and supervising transactional analysts across the four fields of application in TA. We have Anna Chandy, Trudy Newton, Adrian Lee, Thorsten Geck and Giles Barrow. After a brief introduction, our guest's discussion builds into a rich and inspiring response to the current pandemic. Not wanting to edit out any nuggets of wisdom, we have decided to publish it in its entirety across two separate episodes. Here's part one. Okay, welcome everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's wonderful to have the five of you on here. Such a pleasure to be seeing all your faces on the screen. I think to get started, what we'll do, folks, is we'll get you to introduce yourselves. And also to kind of get the discussion started, what we'd like to do is if you have an immediate response, uh, kind of like a one-line response to the COVID-19 pandemic from your perspective, we'd really like you to share that just as a starting point. So, yeah, I'm Thorsten Geck. Uh, I'm from Germany. Um, I'm working in organizations and I work with organizations. And that is my field um, in which I'm teaching TA. And when you ask about the perspective on COVID-19, I think it's a systemic event which affects us all and challenges our responsibility. I'll go next because I want to follow what Thorsten said. I'm Trudy Newton. I live in the eastern part of the UK and I'm an educational TSTA, working in the education field. And my top line here is that beyond all the horror and the awfulness of the situation, what I've observed 
is just how creative and innovative human beings can be and how up for the challenge people are in so many different ways. And that's the big thing that's coming over to me, obviously. That's kind of quite apart from all the awfulness, but I am really, really thrilled to see how creative we're being. I'd like to follow you too, Trudy, because that stimulates something in me. I'm Adrian Lee. I'm a TSTA in the field of psychotherapy in the UK. And one of the things that really come to my awareness is in the middle of this great grief that we're all experiencing and the uncertainty of what we're experiencing and the, and the threat that we're all experiencing, where do we go? We go into our script. We go into the old learnt patterns of how to cope and how to deal with this. And for some people, that is a very dark place. And for others, it is a, a map for survival. And one of the things that interests me is how people are going to recreate their script or come out of script in this experience. And I think it's an opportunity. I'm Anna. I'm from India. I'm a TST in counseling. Uh, my area of interest is systemic work. I had looked at this crisis and uncertainty as really uh, full of opportunity for creating possibility, both in the field of TA and in other areas of training, counseling, and education. I'm Giles Barrow. I also happen to be based in the east of England, um, not too far from where Trudy is. And although I'm a, a TSTA in the educational field, I'm here really to talk to a new movement, a new turn in transactional analysis, which is referred to as ecological transactional analysis. So it's not so much a field, but a movement. And so speaking out of that place, yeah, I would say that um, we're experiencing a threshold, both globally, regionally, and perhaps personally. And the nature of threshold in the liminal process is that it's a uh, a point at which there is a leaving of one place, an experience of disintegration in the threshold with the prospect of arriving at a new place, which is yet to be defined. I'd like to follow you, Giles, on that one, because uh, that's where I'm coming from too, but from the psychotherapeutic angle really, is that sometimes it's only when we hit despair, the despair of our script, when um, it breaks down, if you like, that we are ready for the transition into something new. And I know that people who come to therapy often come from a position of a collapse or breakdown in relationship or job or their life or their illness or health and come for change. And I see this really in terms of the whole community that by hitting our script, by hitting what is the, the worst in, in loss of certainty and insecurity, that people are ready now, I hope, for some transformation and some change in the way in which we think about ourselves and others and the community. Yeah, um, when I listen to you, Adrian, and to you, Tony, I see for me emerged, it's like a spectrum between transition and what I see in organizations that creativity, I see a lot of 
rapid movement and dealing creatively with what is going on right now. And I sometimes wonder if that is probably blocking transition. So we try to work around very creative with what's going on. And maybe that transition, which I'm so longing for as well as you, Adrian, well, is probably disappearing or, you know, put under the rug or we do that later. So I'm in between, but I found that so I found that so exciting because we are very creative. And where is the transition? Charles, you mentioned the term liminal space. Could you just qualify what you mean by that? Uh, yeah, so very briefly, the word liminal refers to threshold, but we might talk about liminal places or phases or times. So adolescence, for example, would be understood as a liminal yeah. phase. You cannot become an adult without engaging in adolescence, and adolescence involves a breakdown of all that held me together as a child. And so we can talk about liminality as being a metamorphosis process. And to pick up a little bit on what's been said is that um, some people may be aware of the metaphor of the imaginal cell, which resides in those uh, creatures that go through metamorphosis. And that initially, within the, the creature, the organism, these imaginal cells are regarded as hostile or alien, or in some way lacking a clear function. But it is only in the collapse during the gloop, when the chrysalis forms, that the imaginal cells begin to connect and create the butterfly or whatever that comes out the other end. And I, I'm listening to folks, I'm thinking, how many of us may have been imaginal cells, sort of two or three years ago, and are only now beginning to understand what we've held on to that's part of what is to come. And so I find that quite a useful metaphor to consider in, uh, in thinking about this time. And Adrian, you mentioned script a few times, and I'm thinking that some of our listeners might not know what script is. It's one of the core theories and concepts in, in TA, but maybe you'd like to give a brief explanation as to what script is. Well, I, I think I did say, but it's really that early sense that we made of the world and ourselves in it when we were very young. It may be decisions that we made as a child in order to survive and get on with the world and the environment that we were in and the people that we were with. And it's like those early decisions that we made, the early pattern that we used to make sense of the world and ourselves is one that we stay fixed with sometimes and that maybe we use to make sense of the world today when it actually isn't relevant for today. So it's like it's an old story, it's the old script that we decided on when we were younger that may not be updated. Yeah, uh, thank you, Adrian. It reminds me of the idea that this script is old, and I wonder what it will be for children in let's say 20 years, when they have put Corona or COVID-19 into their script, because that is, I think that is so fascinating. Parents at home, working at home, doing homeschooling, are not able, are not allowed to go out and see friends. I wonder what that does to script in 20 years or so. Yeah, absolutely. Picking up on what Adrian was saying about script, what I want to bring in here is the idea not just of individual script, not even just of family script, but ideas of national script. 
Absolutely. I think I can't speak for Germany or India, but certainly what we're seeing in the UK at the moment is bringing in of the old national scripts about we're refighting the Second World War and we're using all kinds of language about Britishness and all those things, which for many of us are completely past and finished and nothing to do with the way we think about the world now. But it's being evoked for all sorts of reasons, which we might talk about in the next few minutes. Um, and I think it's really important here to, to remember that our script isn't just something that we, our own story that we've created for ourselves, it's within a story that a whole society creates about itself. And I think that's been both promoted and maintained at the moment, and also very much challenged. And I'll say more about that later. So when I hear each of you talk about script and um, whether it's the new script or it's the emerging script, and I'm also, we're in a TA group, I've actually been thinking for the past few days on the term autonomy. And in India, the term is really relational autonomy. And that is, I think, in India, which till now we've lived denying maybe from the 50s when we really got involved in Western psychology is for us, relational autonomy is about our values, our sense of independence is based on the other. It is interrelated. And I think for us in India, what really the COVID has highlighted is our collectivist thinking about the we and not just the I. And therefore, I do think that in India, a lot of Indians, because of the COVID-19, are actually going back to the older Indian script, where we actually believed in collectivism. And we were somewhere pre-COVID, we were just really in a lost space, because we were neither individualistic, nor were we collectivist, and we were in that lost space. And what COVID has done it's really emphasized for us in the value of collectivism in our culture. It's brought us together again. Well, and I'm delighted to hear that. As you know, I've been one of the many promoting homonymy and our, which is our connectedness to yes. other people. And I think this is really important in transactional analysis where we focus so much on the self and autonomy to actually embrace, as you say, a we culture. And I think my hope is that this is what we will emerge into in our coming out of this COVID-19 trauma that we are in globally, that we will move to that. But I really want to come back to something that Torsten said that really grabbed me, and that was when you talked about creativity potentially blocking the emergence into the next space, um, blocking the transition. Now, I know creativity is needed sometimes to enable transformation, but I really think that's such an interesting thing. And it links with what Giles was saying about the um, transformation in butterflies or imaginal cells and about, I don't know whether this is true or not, but I told that if you, if you help um, the butterfly come out of its chrysalis, it won't live, it won't fly. 
So it's like we can't push this process, otherwise it won't evolve in, in a healthy way. So it's uh, in as psychotherapy, we will invite people to really accept and be present with what is being experienced now, rather than try to change too rapidly. Yeah, Adrian, I want to look at that creativity, and I appreciate that. But it, um, when I look at it, I sometimes I want to understand for myself, and I'm not sure if I understand sometimes, is it creativity or is it agitation? So, oh, we have a workaround. Now we can work from home. Isn't that great? And that was so difficult before, and now we can do it and all that stuff and find a solution for our online meetings and all that. And of course, that is what we do, especially in organizations. We adapt to right now, to the right now, what is going on here. And maybe there's something which is deeper, which needs to be investigated or experienced and not pushed. Yeah, I'm there with you. I would like to um, add another dimension to this, which is I, I think that the transformation for me, as I see it within the TA community, will be when we stop looking at homonymy or collectivism or relationality as being a sociological phenomena. In other words, much of our discussion talks about improving and enhancing the connectedness between people. And what I look forward to is when we shift to thinking less about the, um, if you like, the ego self and thinking about us as being part of an eco self. So thinking more ecologically and that we begin to not consider ourselves as being apart from nature, but being a part of it. And I think that that has really significant implications, particularly for us in the West, where our notions in TA about script really at the moment talk about my relationship, my beliefs and decisions in relation to other people. What I'm quite interested in doing now in my work is asking people what beliefs and decisions do you hold about your relationship to the place? And one of the things that seems to strike me at this time, all of us are in effect being told to stay in your place and think very carefully and long and hard about the place that you're in. And I, in some respects, couldn't wish for anything more from an ecological point of view, because we often spend so much time traveling over a place and never really being part of it. And so I think there are script issues, if you like, for those of us that have become apart from the ecological system which sustains us. COVID is not alien. COVID comes from the very same place that my fresh water does and the air that I breathe. It is part of me. I am part of it. So, yeah, I just wanted to put that in there. Giles, when I hear you talk, I, I, the word that comes to me is the interconnectedness and the empathetic relationship as we are also just part of nature. We are not separate from nature. And somewhere in the, our journeys, we human beings have kind of demarked, in a sense, in a superior way, that we are separate. And I see this more, the COVID in that way, actually connecting us back to where we came from, and that's nature. 
a very long time ago. I was a biologist. And one of the things that I think is fascinating about this situation is people's lack of understanding of how biology works. Because we've kind of got to a place where we think we can control things. Mm -hmm. And we think that human beings have actually got it sorted and there's no problem so big that we can't solve it. And this situation is just showing us that actually nature is much bigger than anything that we can handle or really comprehend. This virus is doing what viruses do. It's living by infecting other people. It's adapting. It's mutating to make sure that it will be able to keep going. And we, we need to be part of the world that the virus is a part of, not think that we're somehow separate and that by, you know, blaming China or what are all the other things that somehow we can tell a different story because it ain't so. The virus is just as much a part of this world as we are. I think our take on this will depend on our script, actually, because for some people in their script, they have to blame somebody. Somebody has to be the enemy. And, and isn't it great to be able to make a virus the enemy instead of maybe mm. just part of ourselves and part of our planet? And, and in some people's script, it's about giving up and giving in or losing hope. And for others, it's about fighting. And for others, it's about manipulating in order to survive or whatever. And I think. I think somehow something has got into play here that has really stimulated all these different approaches. I'm a bit um, wary, you know, about moving too quickly to the whole idea of let's embrace COVID, let's embrace the planet and we'll transform. It seems to me that we've got to be careful about this rush into um, transformation. I think we have to really learn what we have to learn in this disaster place first. We rush. I think we're going too fast. So I'm, I'm pulling back a bit from the kind of more positive energy you're, you're talking about now. What's going on for you, Adrian? Well, I'm torn, really, because I want to go with the positive. I'm a great optimist and a very transformational thinker and you know my I'm pulled to let's make something good happen out of this and I know that just as Torsten was saying about the escape through creativity I think this is this is too soon I think we have to experience fully the the grief the the loss the bewilderment the threat the it's we haven't we haven't learnt this yet. Can I just ask you, Adrian? Do you not think that these things can happen in parallel? <laughs> yes, I do really, but but I, I think um, I, I know that um, people rush to solution <sighs> when the problem hasn't been really given the chance to create its own opportunity and the solutions um, are not necessarily those that are congruent with where okay. the growth needs to happen. I, I don't think I'm seeing it in terms of solutions but in terms of actually embracing all that's happening at the moment. Mm. 
and knowing that we're learning as it goes on, but what actually comes out of it, we'll have to wait because we're actually, we are, we really are living with uncertainty. We, we have no idea how this is going to work out. But at the same time as we're living with that uncertainty, we're also gathering evidence and information, which hopefully will serve us at some point. I'm mindful that we discussed, not at this time, but we discussed the TAs about social dynamics. And what we also need to embrace, what you said, Trudy, and what you mentioned, Adrian, is we need to embrace that we have to, re we have to rethink our social dynamics if we can't be with, let's say, with parents or grandparents in times when they need to take care of or need to be together with the families, which is a reality in hospitals. We are not allowed to be there, probably. So that has a huge effect on social dynamics, which is what TE stands for, about social dynamics. So we might have to rethink about what are the answers of our profession, of our approach, of our perspective on the world. I just want to respond to, firstly, Adrienne's comment there about rushing to solutions and the danger of that. There was also, not just with Adrian, but I just heard with Thurston and, and others too, that there's this reference to the we, that we might be in danger of rushing to solutions, we might be in danger of overlooking the grief. And I, I just want to, um, I just want to kind of push back a little bit on this, is that I think that if by we, we mean a generic Western culture, predominantly white, predominantly entitled, relatively rich, then I think this is quite shocking. But there have been groups both within that culture and also outside of that culture that have been living with fear and scarcity. They've been living with deterioration of resources and of climate, which really, really bites. There are communities that are looking for new regions to live in um, because of the destruction of their existing. So I just want to, to kind of put some relativity around this, that the, the anger, the sadness and the fear has already existed around these matters. And uh, for some of us, we're catching up. And it's only now that we're really attending to the grief um, that exists. And uh, just responding slightly to Thorsten is I hear again, and I'm speaking from an ecological TA perspective here, I hear again the preferencing of the attachment that we have to our family, for example, to the, the human beings around us. But what always comes prior to the social connection and attachment is our attachment to place. Place was there first, then my parents. And so, you know, there are some communities, there are some ways of, there is a frame of reference which places place first. That's what I'm attached to first. And that my parents are, if you like, um, indicative of what I'm attached to. What lies behind the mother is the land itself. And so certainly my experience of working with groups, particularly now around ecological TA, is that the land, the place, nature is always present for us to lean into. And at times like this, it's not so much rushing to solution and I really hear the danger of that, but more about being still enough to be supported 
by the place that was good enough to bear me and to really account for the resource that comes from the place in which we live. I also want to just share a cultural perspective from a spiritual angle in India. So I think I'm one of the more privileged Indians. Most of our country, we're 1.4 billion. We are, the privileged Indians is only 2%. The rest of them have always lived with this uncertainty, lived with crisis, lived with hunger, being shelterless. And yet the spiritual belief is that all of this suffering or this grief that we are facing in this journey of our life is towards our next life, what we call our karma theory, when we reborn again. And that spiritual aspect of the culture, of our culture, is the balm that we have and also the connectedness that we have with nature. Because we can actually, when I say that, is because in that aspect, in the next journey, we can be born as a human being or we can be born as a plant or we can be born as an insect. And that is the interplay and the interconnectedness in the, uh, in the culture with regard to nature. And part of industrialization and globalization, I think as a culture, we were also losing touch with these intrinsic parts of our place. So uh, when I hear you, Adrian, about grieving, I think the, the grief process itself is experienced differently here because this is not something new to them. Well, I found that inspiring what you said, Giles. The place is first, and Anna, from your perspective. So I wonder, and I don't, I don't expect an answer, but I'm curious about how would TA be described as a approach if we shift from social dynamic, is there something, uh, there is something else, but what is there? So, of course, I'm coming mainly, I'm trained in that aspect that it's about social dynamics and the interplay in systems. But I hear we, TA will, needs to reach out or will reach out to more than just human dynamics. I think TA is at the precipice, in my view, of dramatic change. I think in my sense is that there's going to be more leaning and following to the ecological approach, specifically because even among um, about this 3% of us, which are the privileged Indians, we have started questioning our relationship with nature. Also, I'm uh, really excited by this because um, I really think our TA theory needs to change. And, um, you know, you're already talking, each one of you, really about different ways in which we need to change things. Yeah. And I was just thinking about, um, we talk about communication. I was thinking about transactions, the analysis of transactions. And, you know, we always put communication between one lot of three circles, parent, adult, and child, and another lot of circles, parent, adult, and child, as though communication is always about something between me and you, me and another person. And, you know, as soon as you put, as Giles has, place into it or the land into it or the environment in and our communication with the environment, 
are you still going to draw ego states for the tree or <laughs> i mean are you going <laughs> how do you how do you analyze say our communication with not just with people and i think that starts to make us think about whether we're more than just our ego states anyway and we need need something else so I, i'm really excited about what that what challenges we have now as transactional analysts to expand our theory over to you guys <laughs> just responding to giles there i i was reminded as you were talking giles about that storyboard that we used to use and i still do use it quite a lot the storyboard is a way of telling a story if you're making a film or designing something and it starts with a landscape so the before you talk about who are characters in the story or where it happened you start with the big picture and then you move into a more specific part of the picture which we call the dwelling and then into the people who are inhabiting it and then the story really begins because you get the challenges the problems who are the helpers in overcoming the difficulties and what happens what's learned and what happens in the future and it's a beautiful way of enabling people to to look at their own story either at an individual or or a bigger level but i was just so struck as you were talking giles that that image which you know which has been around since before we started thinking about eco ta but it starts with the landscape where are we placing ourselves what is the landscape that, that we come from and that we identify with i think that's for me that was an important insight to just to make that connection because it's such a good way using that storyboarding technique of enabling somebody to begin to understand part of their own personal story but the big thing is where did it all begin you know one of the things um, i'm thinking of when you say that trudy is um is whether that's true for more for all cultures and there are some cultures where you don't have a landscape and so you have to find something else i'm thinking particularly of the jewish culture and jewish and um how until the state of israel there was no land that belonged to jewish people and so they didn't attach to land they attached to what they could carry in their minds or in their pockets but not to the earth and i'm just thinking about what can stand in the place of mm. land if you don't have uh, an investment in it or if it doesn't hold you and do you think there might be a difference here i'm just exploring this as i speak between land and landscape we tend to make that connection with the actual land that we come from but maybe landscape is really at least partly more an, an internal picture well i agree landscape would would work for me but the land doesn't always work interesting mm, worth more thought but maybe not at this moment yeah giles did you want to say something yeah it's it's really a comment on our process and i noticed that um something's happened over the last 10 minutes i think um you know so, something that anna picked up from something i said took us into the metaphysic and i think we're now navigating the existential i think 
that's an indicator of what the COVID process has triggered, really. And, and that, for me, indicates that this is truly a liminal process because we've got ourselves wondering whether or not we live or die, whether or not that's quite literally because of the infection or whether or not it's metaphorically or theoretically. It's, it's like, you know, Adrienne is raising the question, what, what's the use of ego states now? Um, or as we've understood them, it's it's like uh, we've reached this 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 edge, and I think that um, I think going back to something we were saying earlier is that all of us are having an experience, but for some of us and for some groups, we might engage in an encounter, and not all experience has the quality of encounter. And, and for me, encounter is. I'm going to use a word, it's an aggressive episode. It's when in the experience we are called out in some way. And for some of us, we might associate that with, uh, you know, a metaphysical presence. For others, it may be more kind of a, a more generic spiritual, or it may well be something we just feel is being called out of us. Um, but it's what makes it an encounter. And in that encounter, we find out if we can be who we want or dream or can be or not. And it really does feel quite risky. And, you know, I've talked about ecological TA and it feels risky in raising it because it could be marginalized. It could be laughed at. It could be regarded as, as too marginal or it really could be something transformational. And I think what's being asked, I, if I speak personally, what's being asked of me is, is something about do I have faith enough in it? And going back to Adrienne's comment, if you like, without getting too drawn into to Jewish theology, you know, to be landless, to be landless really does require you to have a shed load of faith that to be landed is a possibility. And I think there is something about, there's a quality of faith, if you like, in the broad sense of the term, in this, in this particular time we're in. Not to rush to the solution, but to, have, um, to stand in the tragic gap that we have left one place, there is the possibility of a place being better than the place we left, but we don't quite know. But we have faith that it could be. That's how I'm kind of navigating this time. I'm, I'm still sitting for myself, Charles, but that bit place was first. And I wonder if that I'm trying to make that connection between my, you know, let's say traditional thinking about social dynamics uh, to that new frame or new perspective. So the way how we treat the place is probably a reflection of how we treat each other. That's something in that, when we're looking at COVID-19, where people say, okay, this is probably, we don't know yet, but it's probably because we invaded nature. I don't know if that's even possible to invade nature because we are part of it, but we invade certainly the space of wild animals and be in touch with them so we destroy the habitat and take place in them and then the virus takes place in us or took place in us. So I wonder if that is there a connection between that. And I don't expect an answer, but this is what this emerged from me, from your place metaphor. And thank you for that. 
I really like um, what's been stimulated in me when you talk about encounter, Giles, and I'm thinking about what COVID-19 has um, forced us into in terms of an encounter. And it's certainly aggressive too. It's, it feels um, that all our values and our lives have had to be experienced differently. We've had to kind of go back almost to the core basics. We can't take anything for granted anymore. So we have to encounter everything anew, whether it's, you know, God, even my doorbell rang yesterday and some people were at my door. And it was like, do I open it? <laughs> you know, these moments, it's like even literally of encounter. And then I did open the door and there were three people standing there in masks. And, you know, it's like, are you enemy or are you friend? <laughs> you know, it's like literally everything is becoming an encounter for which I have to recalibrate all that I know and all that I can trust. So it's, it's challenging, my golly. That was part one of our panel discussion. Part two follows next on our podcast list. As always, if you found anything in today's episode interesting, please feel free to reach out. You can visit our website, which has lots of information and TA resources, at transactionalanalysispodcast.com. You can connect with us on all major platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can email us at threepeopleinyourhead at gmail.com using the number three rather than the word. If you aren't already, please follow us on Apple Podcast and Spotify. And we'd be really grateful if you could leave a review. Thanks for listening. Thank you.